This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the News from the Nerds podcast, your midweek news show by the Formula Nerds. My name is Sam, and over the next 30 minutes, we'll be covering a number of current news events surrounding Formula One and motorsport. This week, we have with us Grace. How are you doing? I'm sick, but I'm going to battle through, you know, anything anything to discuss Formula One with you guys. But um, I'm really excited. It's been a spicy weekend, and we've got some good news for just other genres we've got some w series news which i always love so it should be a good 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 session good stuff yeah i know quite the trooper this week i know uh usually you'd let someone uh deputize or be a super sub for you uh but not this week and uh we've also got abby with us abby how you doing i'm good thank you like grace said we have a quite quite a bit of news this week to get through and some of it is exciting stuff but how are you sam as you are hosting tonight I am good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm you know, dipping my toe in the hosting water, um, and uh, hopefully I don't mess it up too much. Um, so super sub turned host. I know Ooh. it's been a, a dramatic, dramatic 180 for me um, the last couple of weeks. Um, so moving into our first topic, we're going to cover the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix briefly. Obviously, we have the uh, the main um, cut to the race podcast, which you can check out um, on our podcast feed uh, that came out on Sunday, but we're going to cover some of the fallout that has has spilled into this week um, following that race. Okay, so on Sunday, we had the second 
Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Um, it feels like we never really left because obviously 2021, it was towards the end of the year and now it's the second race of the season this year. Um, so basically, as we all know, we had a thrilling race. I personally, I, I think I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, which I think people saw thought was quite stingy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of the most controversial um, weekends that we've had. I said it in a while. It seems like every weekend's controversial in F1 at the moment. But yeah, so obviously everything that went down over the the weekend was um, understandably stressful for the drivers, the mechanics, basically everyone who works in Formula One, from journalists through to you know chefs and and everyone in between. Um, it's not what we what, you want, what we want to see from the sport. Um, and yeah, there's obviously a lot that needs to be considered moving forward. Um, Abby, what did you think of the race? It was good. I think I rated it an 8 out of 10, which if you are part of our Formula Nerds Facebook group in that, you would have seen that lots of people rated it a 9 or a 10 out of 10. But for me, it was an 8. I think I personally thought Brazil last year was more thrilling. However, it was a good race. We did see some good battles, obviously, especially with the Alpine drivers and Alonso and Ocon. It was great to see them battling each other. And it just proves that the new regulations are working. We have seen that in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix this year. The clo- there is a lot of closer racing and a lot of battles. And wh- one thing I have to say is, with the new regulations and cars, I was hoping for a- more teams and more drivers to be battling at the front of the pack. Now, it is only the second race, so we may get that in the future. But at the moment, it's only been Ferrari and Red Bull. And I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that we haven't seen some of the other cars up there. But it was a good race. I, it was good. It was. And in fairness, when I gave my rating, I think I'd kind of forgotten about the kind of Ocon, Ocon Alonso um, stuff, because obviously that was incredibly entertaining. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think I think you're absolutely right. I think we were kind of hoping that we'd have a, this kind of great reset in terms of the development rate or you know the kind of the order of things. And things have changed a bit. Obviously, people who aren't fans of Mercedes will be thrilled at some of the kind of recent developments. But I do think that Mercedes are such a such a force that they will get there. I think they're just taking a little bit of time. Their philosophy is clearly a, a departure from what everyone else has gone for. But interestingly, Christian Horner did mention that the DRS zones need to be kind of rethought, or at least the activation points. Because what we've seen so far is this game of cat and mouse that you get. And... Obviously, it's been Charles and Max primarily because they're at the front that we've seen. Um, so yeah, I hope they kind of fix that. I'm glad Max finally kind of got there and worked it out. I do think it maybe took him a little bit too long. Like it was obviously the whole Bahrain race and then well, a good three or four attempts in Saudi Arabia to kind of... But he got there eventually and it was a, a brilliant, brilliant win from him. Um, so yeah, fair, fair fair play there. You know, very, very solid Um weekend from both him and Charles. Um, but in terms of, you know, kind of the, the fallout moving on from that, um, it has been confirmed that we will be in Saudi Arabia again next year. Um, and there's also been a, a few other kind of developments or, or things that have been said in the last few days. Grace, uh, what are your thoughts on those? I think from a racing point of view, I think it's interesting. 
that were at Saudi again. And I do think they need to sort out the DRS zones. I think three is way too many with this generation of cars. Because as we've seen, they can follow. And especially when you've got that straight line speed that, oh my God, that Red Bull has. It's like you don't even need DRS. And oh God, it, it does work. I really think you need two. From a racing point of view, I like the circuit. It is very dangerous. It's exciting. But from a wider political point of view, and I know Sam and I have t- talked about this a lot because we're really interested in the sport washing side of things. I don't feel comfortable going back to Saudi Arabia from a sport point of view, just because we saw what happened with the dangers. And it's not that it, it's just the country. It's more the fact that they drivers felt like they had no option because they said they were presented lots of options. But we've heard from like members of different teams who've gotten in contact with us and said it was one of those horrible scenarios where they said you've got options but they worded it in a way where it's like we can't guarantee your safety if you if you leave the premises if you decide to go early because I know Ralph Schumacher left early and he flew back to Munich I think but um he got out early enough whereas after that I think people were saying if, if you leave now you, you could get really You could risk harming yourself. And it's just, it's a horrible situation to be in because not just for members of teams, but for fans as well. Because you just want to attend an F1 race. You can't imagine that dangers 10 kilometres away, you could be involved in that. It is horrible. And luckily, through the discussions, which went on until two in the morning, the drivers have been reassured that every other destination they go to will be like guaranteed 100% safe or as safe as it can be. But they couldn't in that instance because they were already there. And I, I looked at Bottas's quotes and he said, we all decided to just race because they were already there anyway. But he declined to comment on how he felt personally, which I think says a lot. Not saying anything sometimes says a lot more than saying something. Absolutely. And I think... As well, uh, one thing I think they have kind of they have kind of suggested or debunked this idea that the drivers were kind of manipulated into staying by kind of being kind of I guess not blackmail but kind of passive aggressively kind of you know coerced I guess um, not that you know coercion is passive aggressive but I I don't know that there was so much kind of a suggestion that they would be at risk or in danger if they were to leave. I think that maybe is kind of one of the rumours that has done, you know, the, the rounds. But it does, it does, there is a wider point in what Bottas was saying, that he they felt that they were deciding on behalf of the, the rest of the paddock, which is a difficult position to put them in. But also, I think it shines an even larger spotlight on the fact that there were lots of mechanics and team personnel who weren't consulted in this process. And if you look at the level of these are people going to work, this is their job and they should never feel in danger doing that. So yeah, there's obviously some, some broader and wider, you know, kind of bigger questions the sport needs to kind of ask itself moving forward. Guys. I think as the sport's been as big as it is, the drivers have got the Grand Prix Drivers Association, which looks after their needs and what, what they need. It's basically a trade union for them. I think the mechanics and the personnel, right down to like the waitresses in the executive bars, all the way up to team principals, I think they need a sort of representation because 
you'll have hundreds of mechanics who they might be a part of a trade union at home. I don't know, but out there, they need someone to represent their interests because they're in a place thousands of miles away. I mean, the Grand Prix Drivers Association, it has done a lot. And they've got like George Russell and Sebastian Vettel being like their spokespeople for them now. But I think it definitely should be a question brought to the sport, especially with how big it is now. I think it should be adopting these processes, these facilities to be able to represent all its personnel. Yeah, I completely agree with what you guys have said. And another quote by Valtteri Bottas was, this is our sport and we are all in it together. And like that, it's not just the drivers. There are hundreds and thousands of people involved in Formula One, even those who aren't necessarily in the paddock and that. But it did feel like the drivers had the majority of the weight of that decision on them. And like you said, Grace, mechanics and engineers and everyone else, they do kind of need some representation of some sort to help them make this decision because it shouldn't just be down to team bosses and drivers. Everyone should have a say because at the end of the day, they are all involved within the sport. It's not just a few people is everybody absolutely um yeah and you know i said we'd kind of cover it briefly and obviously this is something that we all feel passionate about so we've you know kind of spoken in, in a bit of length about it speaking of the actual racing i didn't get to watch it live which was quite sad because it was a great race when i watched the highlights what happened with carlos signs and like checo because i feel so bad for checo because he was doing so well when i left the race came back to the highlights and found out he didn't win. Yeah, so Checo got very unlucky with the um, the timing of the, the safety car. He basically, he came in and then the safety car uh, for Latifi's crash, which then meant that everyone else obviously could get, you know, kind of a, a free pit stop. So that's kind of, you know, scuppered his race. But as he was, as he was kind of coming through and as Carlos Sainz was leaving the pit... Um, there is the pit and uh, kind of the safety car line in, and it's actually halfway through the first corner or first two corners at Saudi Arabia. And it was judged that Carlos Sainz actually got there first and thus rightfully owned third position. But Perez ended up being ahead of him. And Carlos Sainz has, has kind of criticised the FIA for their, well, taking a kind of backseat um, approach and he thinks that they caused unnecessary mess in delaying that call for him and Sergio to, to switch places. Um, so guys, do you think that this new FIA not getting involved approach, obviously is only two races in, but, but do you think it's sustainable? Do you think it will work? Or will we see kind of messy situations where, you know, both teams are kind of playing chicken with each other? I think they're trying to avoid getting too involved from what it hears like, because obviously we all know what happens when a race director or officials get really involved. But I think they'll definitely have some teething problems. It's a completely new structure that the FIA have got with two different race directors. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll take a while. They'll get a balance, right? I think from what you've said, and I did see the timings when I checked my phone and that it was a bit unsure because Carlos should have been in front of Perez. I mean, I was like, why is Perez down in fourth or third? I think they need to sort it out because then again, taking too much of a backseat is 
effectively getting involved, even though you're not wanting to. So they'll find a balance, give them a few more races. Then if it gets to like round nine and they're still like Michael Massey, then we can criticise them. Yeah, I think it will take time because they do have quite a bit to adapt to. However, I think if they do take a backseat and don't really have much input at all, we could end up seeing some potentially very messy and possibly controversial calls. I think they do need to have their input. They can't leave it down to the teams just by themselves. But then, again, those on the pit wall, the personnel of the teams, they should have the data and should be able to see who was in front and when. And if that is clear, then they should be able to tell their driver, look, you need to give that position back. However, I think it was very strategic on Red Bull's part not to give science that position and do it when they did so that science couldn't fight Max on the restart. But yeah, I think, like Grace said, they will definitely have some teething problems, but hopefully they will sort everything out and in the future races, everything will run quite smoothly. I think they should be able to sort it out soon because if it's left up to teams and drivers, we'll end up seeing like PK fighting again. And like when Schumacher got out of the car and stormed down the pit lane, oh God, I'd love to see that. Obviously, don't condone violence, but that would be fun and spicy. So yeah, they need to sort it out. Otherwise, they'll they'll start handling it for themselves and we'll probably see Christian Horner go punch Toto. So FIA <laughs> needs to get the right balance. I, I don't suppose you watched the Oscars, did you, Grace? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just, of course, that is outside of our remit here uh, at Formula Nerds. So we, we won't touch on that, but I'm well, sure you've... Well, it's not. Uh, Formula One's been nominated for a BAFTA. That is not true. Not an Oscar, though. Not an Oscar, but a BAFTA. I not think I, I said it could have been nominated for Best Drama because you couldn't <laughs> even write it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But we'll we'll let Chris Rock and Will Smith rest for, for this yes. evening. Um, but moving on to anticipated announcements, but staying on Carlos Sainz, we are expecting to hear that he has signed a new contract with Ferrari. We don't know how many years or how much have we paid. Um, but that is something that we're anticipating. Guys, do you think that's the right call for, for Ferrari? Um, and yeah, do you, do you think he's deserving of, of a, a paycheck close to, to Charles? I definitely think it is the right call. Ferrari this year, they obviously have a good car, a very good car. We've seen Charles, he won the first race and he was second in Saudi Arabia, losing it to Max, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and last year, Science was the most consistent driver out of everyone on the grid. In 2021, he was the most consistent, which I found surprising because I knew he was good, but he was in a brand new car. When you compare him to Ricardo, who was also in a brand new car, Ricardo really struggled, but Science was amazing last year. So I think he could do very well at Ferrari. Plus, I like the driver pairing of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Science. They are very funny guys. So I am. I'm hoping that the rumours are true and he will extend his contract and hopefully it's for many more years to come. It's funny that you brought up Ricardo because what I've been feeling with this Carlos Sainz contract announcement, it's very similar vibes to Daniel and Max when Daniel felt like he wasn't being treated as equals, even though he was on a much bigger like pay packet, I think. And 
as we know, and as we've seen from the little bit of Jarvis' Five that I watched, Christian Horner rates the man. He loves him. Yeah, he still decided to leave. So I think this is a great call for Ferrari because Carlos Sainz is brilliant. He blew Charles out of the water on his first time, like first year in the car. Is it the right call for Carlos Sainz? Is he always going to be number two to Ferrari's golden boy? Because Charles was made for Ferrari as soon as he stepped in to F1. So are they, they going to make Carlos take a back seat? I, I think he's too good for that. I really rate Carlos. I think he's so underlooked. And the way you said, I didn't know he was going to be that good. And he got he got loads of podiums last year. Like, I swear he got one in Russia. He got, he, I think he got about five, which doesn't sound that much when you look at like Mercedes and Red Bull. But for the third and fourth battle, that makes a lot. And it led to him getting best of the rest in the driver's standings and for Ferrari getting best of the rest in constructors. I think he's a real asset to Ferrari. Is it the right decision for Ferrari? Indeed. Is it the right decision for Carlos? We'll see. But then again, is there a team that he could go and be a number one driver at? I don't think so. See, it's interesting. And, and just on 2021, I, I think Charles actually got one podium to, to Carlos's multiple, which is... Silverstone, yeah. So, which is where kind of, you know, Carlos's consistency has really kind of paid dividends for him. See... I think it's absolutely the right call for Ferrari. I think it's also the right call for Sainz. But I have been a little bit disappointed with his start to the season. I really kind of, and I and it still could well happen, that he, across the year, is more consistent than Charles. But I do think Charles has elevated his game this year. I'm not sure Carlos has yet. I think, had Carlos signed a new contract, I think his stock was higher at the end of last season, I think it's dipped slightly. I think had he signed a contract before Bahrain, I think he it, we would maybe be looking at bigger numbers. But again, by the time by the time we release this podcast, that may well have been announced, and this conversation may may well be somewhat redundant. But we will have to see. Grace, what do you think? I think you're being a little bit harsh. I think we should treat Carlos <laughs> the same way we want to treat the FIA. Give him a few races to get into it. We know qualifying isn't his strongest. He hasn't got the, the the speed of Leclerc. Like Everyone knows Leclerc is being fast. We now know Carlos is being reliant and consistent. If Leclerc starts to do a max and gets carried away and starts crashing, who's going to come through for him? It's going to be Carlos. So give him a bit of time. I don't think his stock's gone down that much. And also, we've got to remember Ferrari will be favouring Leclerc, I guess. So if he comes second to Leclerc or third to Leclerc's second, that's great news for him. Well, that is me squarely put back in my place. Um, so. <laughs> Taking over from Bridge. <laughs> yeah, well, in fairness, I did say we'll have to see. I did say over the course of the season it could, could have pan out. But fair, Sorry, I, take, I you. take your point. I take your point, Grace. Um, but our next... An anticipated announcement um, is that we're expecting to hear of a new confirmed venue for Formula One. And this has been littered over the last few months. In fact, I was I was writing about something else earlier. So I looked into this city on the Formula One website and we have actually covered this a few times over the last few months. So, Grace, you're looking particularly excited about um, what this might be. So do you want to... Uh, do you want to introduce the potential new Grand Prix that we'll be hearing about? Um, I think it's about two or three in the morning um, on Thursday morning this week. 
at half two our time, so just after this has been recorded, probably being edited, we will be announcing, hopefully, Viva Las Vegas! <laughs> I apologise for you all. I love the song, Grace. Love it. They didn't get to see the shoulder bumps. I'm, I'm bobbing no. here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wrote about it months ago, thinking Vegas was going to come back on the cal- calendar after um after how big we saw texas got it was it was massive of course they need two races and now even three but one thing i I will be happy about is danny rick will love it and if it's his last season and he gets a vegas night race so be it won't be good for our timing though last season well i think he's going i think he's going i love him but i think he's going we'll have to see but Interesting you mentioned the timing there, Grace, because it is a night race, as we know. And if it were a night race in Vegas, that would be for European audiences in the middle of Monday morning, you know, kind of like three, four in the morning. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think most of us are usually asleep by then. Definitely, uh, yeah. Getting ready for, for a long week at work. Um, so interestingly, it's looking like it could be a Saturday race. And credit here for a fun fact from Sean Kelly on Twitter. So thank you very much for this stat. Apparently, this would be the first time F1 has had a race on a Saturday since 1986. Which race was that? I'm I'm intrigued. I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I will find out right now. Grace is going to find out. But, Abby... Whilst Grace is doing that, do you think this is good news? Do you think we need three Grand Prix, or Grand Prix rather, in the United States? We all know that Formula One has grown in the US, especially since Drive to Survive and that. And Cota has become this big thing and now there's Miami. And I mean, the US is a massive country. I think it was Craig Willard. He tweeted about it today. And all the chatter about people going, why do we need three races in the US? Why can't we just have the two? And there was a picture and it was of Europe and it had the outline of the USA planted over Europe. And it said that there were 10 races within that outline. So, I mean, three races, it's not that much. It's not that many races in the US because it is a massive country. And you have Las Vegas in the north and Miami and is in southeast and then Texas is in the south so they're all kind of spread out so all the tracks are quite different I think I'm very excited for a Las Vegas race I think it could be quite a good spectacle some people are less excited but I think it would be good to see I mean with all these races the calendar could get very busy so we might have to rotate a few but I'm excited to see what it would be like yeah, see, it's, it's interesting. See, this is actually one of the things where I'm not really sure I have that much of an opinion on. I mean, I will say, as long as it's better than the Caesars Palace Grand Prix, and I, I, I'm i not old enough to remember that, or I wasn't even alive <laughs> when that happened. And the reason I mention this is because when we just before we started recording this, for some reason, we were talking about films, and Grace brightly uh, points out that I like, or... I once received the film Mean Girls as a DVD for a present from my sister for my 13th birthday. And we worked out that 
on that birthday or, or at that time, Grace was five, which made me feel really old. But anyway, I digress. As long as it's better than Caesar's Palace, um, I think it'll be fine. It's a big audience. It's a big continent. It's a big country in an even bigger continent, obviously. So it kind of makes sense. And yeah, I think I've seen lots of comparisons about, oh, Europe has this many races, but Europe has, you know, most, you know, lots and lots of countries, over 30 countries. But then also the other side of that is the United States has 50 states, all of which have their own kind of unique culture and kind of filter them. So yeah, there's a lot of things to consider there, which is, I think, maybe why I'm kind of sitting on the fence and not really having a huge opinion, as long as it's a good race. And yeah, so we'll have to see. What's your opinion on it being on a Saturday? Because I'm guessing if that's the case, then everything else would be a day earlier. So Quali and FP3, I'm guessing, would be on the Friday and FP1 and FP2 on a Thursday, just so they had the same amount of timings. I'm not sure, but what's your opinion on the race being on a Saturday? I think it makes sense because a Saturday is also the weekend in the United States, right? So you do get both the American and the European audiences, and it and it, it will work across time zones, you know, because in theory, it should be the weekend pretty much across the world um, if you have it on a Saturday night in the US. Again, if I'm wrong, I, I apologise. Um, not my strong suit in geography. Um, so yes, I, I, I think that does make sense. Um, and I think potentially we could we could see kind of that happening more and more often. Um but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Grace is still googling, um, so no, I got it. I got she's it. got it. Go on, Grace. Nineteen eighty six calendar to see whether it, the date was on a Saturday because I couldn't find any with a date and a day. It was the Belgian Grand Prix. Really? What was the What was the reason? I have no idea. But they had Canada that year. They had Australia. They had America. They had Mexico. Surely you'd think it would be for one of those if they were tailoring to like a European audience. Yeah. So that's really peculiar. So I am going to Google that. I'm really interested. But I'm sure our listeners aren't because we've blabbered on about it for way too long. <laughs> well, we'll that's let you a know. personal achievement. We'll let you all know next week uh, why that was. Um, so Grace, yeah, you've got, you've got seven days to find out. S- staying on the topic of United States Grand Prix. We have the inaugural Miami Grand Prix coming up in May. And this Grand Prix has made the news ahead of time this week because it is, I guess, debut, debuting a a new feature for, or a new quirk in the weekend schedule um, that we haven't seen before. I don't know if we're going to see it again, but we're going to have a team principals parade. This is due to start or, you know, they're going to drive off five minutes after the driver parade on the Sunday. Um, so, Abby, are you excited about this feature? I mean, I am i don't think we're, anyone's really going to be watching on TV at this stage. So I guess it's more one for, for the fans at the, the course. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so obviously, like, with Drive to Survive and that, we've seen team principals like Gunther Steiner, who has become a fan favourite and beloved among motorsport fans. So it's good in that respect that we could get to see the team principals and hear from them and their thoughts and that. Obviously, last year during the races, we could hear the radio messages with them and the race director and that, which 
obviously has been scrapped for good reasons. I don't, I've never really watched the driver's parade myself. So I don't know whether, I don't think I would watch the team principals parade, maybe on catch up if it's on YouTube or something. But yeah, I think it, like you said, Sam, it is mainly for the fans there. So they get to hear from the team principals. I'm not sure. Grace, what's your opinion on it? I mean, I only like the driver's parade for the memes. Like when Lewis jumped (laughs) off and when Daniel stole the Mercedes admin. That was a few years ago and he just posted Instagram stories or he had his like Zambok cape. And I like seeing who's friends because like obviously like Pierre and Charles stand together and like Lance Stroll and Esteban Ocon and Mick Schumacher have got a really nice friendship going. So it's nice, but I don't think it gives any value to the sport except for the fans who are actually there. So the same goes for principals. It'll be nice to see who are buddies, but at the end of the day, I won't enjoy it unless I'm actually there watching, which I won't be because I'm not that rich, sadly. So that's the thing is it's listed on the schedule as a promotion or promoter activity, which to me somewhat suggests that it could be a one-off because I imagine that there are, you know, promoters potentially promote multiple Grand Prix across the season, but there will be multiple promoters of a race. So it could be a one-off, but I kind of feel like, why would they just do it once? It seems like a really odd thing to do. It feels like a bit of an asinine kind of feature. Like, I'm not sure what the value is, unless it kind of turns into this little kind of like mobile boxing ring. And we see kind of Toto and Christian finally come to blows, um, which will be very, very entertaining because, yeah, I think it's what a good, it's a good 25 minutes. Um, which will be yeah longer than a lot of boxing fights. Um, in fact, yeah, longer than a lot of them. Not longer than all, because 12 rounds of three minutes is, is longer than 25 minutes. Uh, some quick maths for you there. Math is also not my strong suit. Grace? Do you, do you think, though, so obviously McLaren, they've got Andreas Seidel, but obviously everyone loves Zach Brown. He's more of the person in the spotlight do you think he'll be on the driver's parade and in that sense do you think Lawrence Stroll will be yeah that's a very good point actually because like a lot of people might not necessarily know who the team principals are I know like for F2 and F3 I've had to research the team principals just to make sure that I actually know their names now um but yeah it would be interesting to see who will be on there and what sort of quotes and memes like you said grace that we could get from the team principals parade but we'll have to see what it will be like when miami comes yeah i just hope it doesn't shatter the allure like you know when you see like kind of like high level politics and everyone's friends and you're like yeah but you (laughs) you, you're going against each other and i think everyone likes that kind of division like in football footballers have become closer and closer and i know roy Keane hates that when you have like a manchester derby and afterwards, they're all like, you know, you know, congratulating each other or, you know, saying saying hello to the other team. And it's kind of anti-competition in that sense. So hopefully it doesn't kind of make it so obvious that they're all really, really close. Because F1 traditionally has been a bit of a kind of a, a boys club, hasn't it? Um, but also the opposite of a boys club and also in Miami is the first race of the W Series 2022 God, I season. I congratulate you on that segue, mate. That was, that was <laughs> quality. 
painful. <laughs> I actually think I've given myself an injury, uh, you know, tr- somehow segueing between those two um, on the fly very much. Abby, take it away. It's interesting you said the first race of W Series because in Miami is actually the first two races of W Series because the season will kick off with a double header. After the success of the double header in Cota last year that saw Jamie Chadwick be crowned champion at the season finale. So W Series this year will have a 10 race season and as I just said, double header in Miami, but there will also be a double header in Mexico City in October. So that is the most number of races ever in a W Series season. And it was announced earlier this week that the teams have finally got their driver pairings. Now, last week we went through the list of all the drivers. But this week we can now match them up with their teammate and their team. So fan favourite Fabian Woolwind will be partnering with Marta Garcia for Court Dow W Series team. Jamie Chadwick and rookie Chloe Chambers will be debuting with Jenna Racing, which is also a brand new team this season. And Nerea Marti and Belen Garcia are going to be racing for Quant Fury. And then I'm pretty sure this is one of the longest team names I've ever seen in any sport. Click to Drive Bristol Street Motors Racing W Series team will have Alice Powell returning and also Jessica Hawkins. <laughs> Shut up, that's not the name. <laughs> it is. Oh, I love you. Whoever, whoever decided that. Oh my God, I love you. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. Mm. Alice Powell and Jessica Hawkins. <laughs> the commentators, the poor things, the poor presenters. Oh God. It's like any news anchor trying to say that town in Wales. Oh, those, present, those commentators are going to have a rough time. <laughs> and for Puma, we will have Emma Killalainen and Teresa Babakova. Abby Pulling will be partnering with Bruno Tomaselli for Racing X. Suin Racing will have Biet Visseur and Emily DeHouse. And Scuderia W will have Sarah Moore and her teammate will be from a roster of reserve drivers which have yet to be revealed. And then the W Series Academy team will have the youngest driver lineup with two rookies, Bianca Bustamante and Juju Noda, who I believe are... 17 and 16 years old I believe that's their ages I'm not entirely sure but they are the youngest lineup ever so that's how old you guys are right there you go that's made me feel old so (laughs) yeah we're both suffering through it today but we're 20 bloody hell imagine driving a single seater let alone a car a single seater at 16 that's just craziness to us it is and it's a lot of familiar faces returning but a lot a lot of brand new names as well but I'm very excited to see W Series this year. There's also going to be some unfamiliar cars as well because it has also been announced that for two rounds in the season the Toyota Racing Series um, is going to be loaning 18 of its FT60 cars to the W Series. Uh, So this is for the support races that they have on in uh, for the weekend of the Spanish Grand Prix and the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, and I believe that these are slightly more powerful cars. Um, so I think that'll be a, a really interesting thing to see and a, a really great experience for those guys. That would be really interesting because I see a lot of people who criticise W Series say, oh, well, the car's only um, F3 car or other. 
it'll be good to to see the drivers handle these new cars because I know they will. They're all badasses. So yeah, it'll be great. And you could just say to them, well, we're driving a faster car, so shush. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely provide a new challenge for them as well. And I know that the racing director of W Series is very excited to be partnering with Toyota because it is the most sustainable way for them to now get around their 10 race calendar with less use of freight than that. Um, So yeah, it will definitely be an exciting season. There is a lot of motorsport happening this year and I can't keep up with everything that's going on. I know there's a, there's certainly something for everyone. And it really does make me laugh when people kind of criticize stuff like that. And so it's only an F3 car. It's like, okay, you get in one. Yeah. You drive it. it. (laughs) I mean, they might, I, can't, I can only imagine how terrifying that would be. It's a bit like when people think they could win a, a point in tennis against Serena Williams. It, you just couldn't. I just, I'm sorry. It just, oh, it, it wouldn't drives happen. me mad. Would not As a competitive happen. tennis player, it drives me mad because my my dad would never do that. But I'd, I'd love to see him try and win a point against me. Like it's it's just funny and like Serena's incredible. She's such a powerhouse. Like. It, what Dave from Manchester says. Okay, Dave. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's only right that we, we wrap up our F1 news podcast on tennis. So, Abby, Grace, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for, for joining me today. Thank you for being host and not just Super Sub Sam. You are now a regular on the News from the Nerds. It was terrifying. I hope I did it justice. You did. We'll have to you see. Did. You know, it's always difficult listening back to, to yourself. So I'll have to uh, cringe through that um, to make sure that I've done all right. Um, Grace, thank you for having joined us today. Thank you for putting up with my craziness. I, f- I always feel a bit crazy when I come back on the podcast, but I should be quite consistent now. So lucky for you guys and for our listeners. <laughs> but um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Network.